Hey, it's Kathy. I'm just hopping in real quick to tell you that the doors are closing to the Abundance Method program today. That's right. May 16th, four o'clock Pacific time, we close the doors to this program. And I'm so excited to watch you change your life. I'm so excited to see what happens when you tap into the energy that is within you and you start to attract so much into your life and there's incredible synchronicity and you start to perceive what was always here in plain sight and that which was hidden becomes revealed. If you want to join us, you can go to kathyheller.com slash join. And remember, those of you who sign up for the Platinum, you get the retreat included. It's going to be an incredible retreat. It's a three-day experience. You can choose between July or October and the July is definitely filling up. So come on in and join us. Again, the doors close at four o'clock Pacific today. You can sign up at kathyheller.com slash join. I cannot wait to spend 12 weeks with you and watch you become a master at manifesting the most gorgeous experiences and opportunities and abundance into your life. Be open to experience and be curious. And whatever excites you in your day, go with that. I believe that the opposite of depression, it's not happiness, it's purpose. I believe that every single person has something unique to contribute to the world. And that's why I wanted to create a show called Don't Keep Your Day Job. Don't Keep Your Day Job is about figuring out what it is that you were here to do in this world that only you can do to make the world more whole, more beautiful, and to stop selling yourself short and to stop sitting it out and to figure out how to take this thing you love, whether it's art or music or screenwriting or dance or baking, and how do you weave this thing that you love into a life that you get to contribute, that you get to do what you love full time because it's not just about business, it's about contribution, it's about meaning. That is what we seek, that is what we truly want, and you absolutely are here to serve the world and I want to help you figure out just how much value you have inside of you. And every single week, we're going to be talking to people who have something to add to help you get out of your own way, to help you be more successful, to help you be the truest expression of you. My name is Kathy Heller. I'm so glad that you're here. Let's dive in. Thanks to Peloton for supporting Don't Keep Your Day Job. Work up a good sweat at home for less than the cost of a studio class. Right now, Peloton has a limited time offer. Get $100 off accessories when you purchase the Peloton bike and get a great cardio workout at home. Go to OnePeloton.com and use promo code DREAMJOB to get started. Also, thanks to Native. Native makes safe, simple, effective products that people use in the bathroom every day with trusted ingredients and trusted performance. For 20% off your first purchase, visit NativeDeodorant.com and enter promo code DREAMJOB during checkout. We're also supported by Billy. Billy delivers premium razors direct to you for half the price of what you find in the store. For a limited time, get 10% off your razor at mybilly.com slash dreamjob. Hi guys, it's Kathy Heller. Welcome back to another episode of Don't Keep Your Day Job. I just want to give a shout out to everyone who's making progress that maybe no one else is recognizing because possibly you don't let people see your darkest moments. And I want you to know that you've been silently winning battles and transforming yourself. So I hope that you'll be proud of every step you're making in the right direction. You've got this. And I just want you to know that I see it and I see you. I feel like so often we are going through so much and the world doesn't see it. And we're working so hard to be the best we can in our relationships and to grow our business and to eat better and all of these things. And, uh, 
people say, how's it going? And you're like, it's good. And meanwhile, you're, you're winning some huge battles and you're going through a lot. You know, I just want you to give yourself some credit for that. So I had such a great week last week. I was with 150 songwriters for two days. And this week I'm doing a five day challenge. It's a challenge just for songwriters to help them figure out how to write music for film and TV and how to actually succeed at that. So I'm sorry I didn't mention it to you guys. Um, sometimes I feel like I keep my music world like in the music world and then I don't necessarily tell you, but it is a free five day challenge for those of you who want to learn how to license your music and how to find success with that. Um, you're welcome to join me. It's free. It's five days. It starts, uh, today, the 12th and it runs through the 16th. I'll be going live every day at noon Pacific standard time. And if you can't be there live, then you can get the replay because we will send it. So I'll drop a link in the show notes and I'd be so happy to see you guys there because I love love you so much. And it would be such a treat to have you with us. I'm really excited for today's episode because we have the incredibly talented Lisa Congdon joining us. She is a fine artist and illustrator, a teacher and bestselling author, most known for her beautiful, colorful paintings and hand lettering. She's the author of nine books, including Art Inc., The Essential Guide to Building Your Career as an Artist, and A Glorious Freedom, Older Women Leading Extraordinary Lives. And just last week, she released her latest book, Find Your Artistic Voice, The Essential Guide to working your creative magic. It's all about discovering your style, your unique point of view, and we're going to talk about it all. So you definitely want to go check that out. Lisa has worked with clients like The MoMA, Martha Stewart Living, Crate and Barrel, and many more. She was also named one of 40 women over 40 to watch in 2015. And she's featured in the book, 200 Women Who Will Change the Way You See the World. And what I especially love about her story is that she didn't grow up thinking I'm destined to be a successful artist. In fact, it took a few decades until she finally got it and started thinking, wow, you know, creating art just feels really good and it feels like me. And she kept trusting that voice and you'll hear the details, but she quit her job later on and, and began her path. And it just goes to show that no matter where you are on your own timeline, you can always pivot. You can always reinvent. You can always become who you are and unbecome what you're not but it's up to you to make that joy a priority, to have that self-awareness, to bring the darkness sometimes into the light and see what's not working and to trust your wisdom and to try and be messy and walk toward what you love. So I think you're going to find this really inspiring. Without further ado, please welcome the wonderful Lisa Congdon. Hey, Lisa, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad to be here. You know, you've built such a beautiful career making important work and helping other human beings do their work. So so let's get right to it. Why don't you tell us a little bit about you and how you came to even know that you wanted to be doing art and illustration and writing books? I was in my early 30s and I had a job working at an education nonprofit. Previous to that, I had been an elementary school teacher and I really loved the work that I did. But when I left classroom teaching, I also felt like some creativity was sort of missing from my life. And in a way that I never really knew I needed, like I had sort of always had this job since I was in my early 20s, right. that involved, you know, creativity, because making things interesting for kids is this really creative endeavor. So I, I had it in me, although I didn't really realize it at the time. So I go to work at this office job. 
And I realized like something's missing. Simultaneously, I also ended a 10-year relationship or an almost 10-year relationship. And that really threw me for a loop. So I started going to therapy. And one of the things I started doing simultaneous to going to therapy was I started driving back into creativity. And I started taking classes. And I ended up really, really falling in love with the process of making things and started to think about how I could engage more with other creative people. So I started a blog and I joined Flickr. You could make friends and follow people and people could follow you and comment. And I just started meeting all kinds of amazing creatives there. And I started to get a picture for what my life could look like if I maybe did this part-time. And then eventually people started asking me, like, can I buy this thing from you? You know, do you want to have a little show in my tiny shop in Seattle? You know? Mm. And I was like, okay, sure, I guess. And I started to think of myself maybe as this person who could be an artist, even just part-time. Yeah. And then um, one thing led to another. And eventually I left my job. And for the first few years, my um, experience as a working artist was super scrappy. I was poor and struggling, but I kept working at it. I started doing these sort of yearly and daily projects. And eventually things started to really move for me. Yeah. In a way, this is one of the most powerful stories I've ever heard because is it true that you left your job at 40 years old? Yes. I was actually 39. I had left my job in, I think, October, and I turned 40 in January. So, <laughs> yeah. I yeah. mean, it's just incredible for people to hear this story. I mean, people tend to think like, well, if you don't have your identity completely solid by your late 20s, why would you ever think you're going to discover something new about yourself later on? And you did both of those things. And you were building this uh, on the side for a long time. And I'm curious for you, what were those milestones that started to make it break through? And how can you describe that to us in terms of what your effort was and what sort of came together? Uh, something happened for me pretty within a year of quitting my job. Um, I, I signed with an illustration agent. She's a pretty prestigious agent. Wow. Cool. And I thought, I thought, okay, now let's see what happens, right? right I'm just going to sit like, back and watch yeah. the money roll in. Oh, watch, yeah, watch. I've been there. Yeah. No. Like I was shocked at still even how long it took and how much effort I had to still put into making this happen for myself. So a lot of times people think, oh, if only this or if only that. And sometimes those things that you think are going to be the, the leverage you need to sort of finally rest comfortably and yeah. freelance life or whatever, or your new business are not the things, you know, and that other things that you never expected become the things. And that was certainly true for me. While having an agent eventually helped me, I still had to make a lot of work. I still had to put it into the world. I still had to deliver things to her so that she could promote my work mm -hmm. to potential clients. And eventually I got into a groove with that. I think for me, the main thing is, and maybe being older helped me with this, like I had this certain amount of perspective about the payoff of perseverance. I was sort of raised in this home where my mom was all about like not coddling us mm -hmm. and like 
helping my sister and I in particular as young women be self-sufficient and independent. And I think one of the things that I got from that sort of upbringing was this ability to withstand discomfort. And so I knew when I left my job and I had become very successful in my former career, I knew that I was going to have to literally push my way through anxiety and fear. Mm -hmm. Um, Fear and discomfort and anxiety are just a natural part of being human, right? Yeah. And, um, and I, by the time I was 39 or 40, sort of understood that. And so I just continually would show up and make new work and put it out into the world. And I kind of had this feeling that if I kept doing that, eventually something would take hold. So I didn't give up very quickly. Um, I had what a lot of people call grit. And um, it is so painful to show up and try to sell something or make something and have people appreciate it and not have it take off, right? immediately. Like we are such a culture of immediate gratification. Mm-hmm. And I had this like level of patience. Like I know I'm 40. I know I'm starting this thing from scratch. I don't really know what I'm doing, but I'm going to do it anyway because I really want to do it. And so another aspect to my formula aside from hard work and grit was just that I really wanted this thing. I was very motivated to make art because it was like, it lit me up in a way that nothing had ever lit me up before. And so I think that passion alone can't get you where you want to go, but it certainly is part of the equation. And you aren't going to feel passion all of the time, but when you do feel it, like really kind of hanging on to that and using that. Mm -hmm. And it makes a lot of sense that you're saying a lot of people are waiting. I know you're friends with Andy J pizza Mm -hmm. also. And, and he says, you know, people are waiting for this like fairy art mother to show up and give you your big break. Um, And most of us haven't seen that as the path, right? I think that people who are listening right now would love to know, what were you doing then that started to make things move? Right. The practical stuff. Um, Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I wrote this book a few years ago called Art Inc., The Essential Guide to Building Your Career as an Artist. And one of the things I talk about in chapter two is thinking about what it is you want to achieve, like as an artist, as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, in your wildest dreams, what is it that you want to achieve and really writing those things down. And then Mm -hmm. backwards, sort of backwards mapping and figuring out, okay, given that those are my big goals, where do I need to start? And you have to make Mm -hmm. sort of intermediate goals and then these sort of daily tasks. And for me, Mm -hmm. that looked a lot like, okay, I really wanted to have a successful Etsy shop. So that required a few things. It required that I I set up the shop, I load it with things that I thought people would be interested in buying. Mm -hmm. No one will buy anything from your shop unless they know it's there. So I had to figure (laughs) out ways to, to promote it. And I was paying for ads in the back of like design sponge, you know, like letting people know that I was there then I knew that whenever I got an order, I had to ship it out as quickly as possible. And I just needed to do this kind of thing over and over. And like another goal was I really wanted to um, be a children's book illustrator. If I don't have work that art directors and editors at publishing houses see as like kid-friendly work, um, I'm never going to get that job, right? Or my agent won't be able to pitch me for a book deal. And so I took advantage of those days when I had no paid work 
to just make work that would go in my portfolio that might inspire somebody to hire me for something. Mm -hmm. And I made the work, you know, I would say, make the kind of work you want to get. And so I didn't get the satisfaction of like having somebody buy the thing right away or getting the assignment based on the work. But eventually that happened. Right. All right. This has been awesome, but let's just take a quick moment to thank our sponsors. Women's razors can cost up to 15% more than men's. It's called the pink tax. Sounds a little ridiculous, right? Well, Billy is changing that. Billy delivers premium razors to you for half the price of what you find in the store. Go to mybilly.com slash dreamjob to get their starter kit. You get two razor cartridges, a handle, and their awesome magnetic holder for the shower. For just $9, you can get four refill blades every one, two, or three months, and you can skip, adjust, or cancel your subscription at any time. I love how convenient this is because I don't always have time to run to the store to buy a razor. And using this razor was hands down one of the smoothest, silkiest shades I've ever experienced. I was like, oh my gosh, I can shave and it will not leave my skin all like scratchy or dry. And that's probably because each razor cartridge includes five American-made blades that are encased in aloe shave soap for the smoothest shave that's gentle on sensitive skin. They're an Allure Best of Beauty winner and on Nylon's Beauty hit list because Billy is the brand that finally got women's razors right. If you want to express a little love for Don't Keep Your Day Job, you can go to mybilly.com slash dreamjob for 10% off your razor and get the best razors you will ever own for half the price of razors in the store. Plus shipping is always free. This is a limited time special offer. Go now to save 10% off your razor at mybilly.com slash dream job. So were you doing outreach to, because you were talking yeah. about doing the work and were you researching different people, finding email addresses and saying like, Hey, here's some work. What do you think of this? And so who were you reaching out to? What advice might you have for illustrators and graphic designers and artists who might want to start thinking about this? Well, I want to say one thing first, and that is that my my approach to self-promotion was definitely two-tiered. So, you know, like I also uh, ascribe to, and Andy and I actually talk about this on his podcast, like the, if you build it, they will come basically using your social media as a place to post your work and to build an yeah. audience, because that's typically mm-hmm. where a lot of well-known illustrators and artists get work and sell things is through social media these days, right? right. And so that was important to me. Like it may not be happening now, but I'm just going to keep building it. And eventually the people will come. However, at the same time, I also, and I encourage people to do this as well. I was also actively contacting, seeking out potential clients and collaborations. And so to a certain extent, once I signed with an agent, I would say to her, look, this is a dream client of mine. Or she would even ask me, Lisa, like, what are your dream jobs? What do you want to do? Where can, where should I pitch your work? Right. And so I was working with her. That's easily something people can do on their own. At this day and age, you do not need an agent. You can do this stuff on your own, which is the really amazing thing about the internet. Um, But I was also sort of doing it on my own. So I remember a couple of times I reached out to clients and I got a fabric line and a wallpaper line um, because I really wanted to do surface design. And I reached out to um, Hygian West. They're sort of a company that makes wallpaper. They also sell other things. And um, I got a wallpaper line with them. Same with the fabric line and ended up doing three lines of fabric with this company called Cloud9. So cool. And I think there are so many ways you can do that. There's the direct emailing. And in my book, Art Inc., I talk a little bit about, you know, the sort of protocol and etiquette for doing that. Because there's definitely some do's and don'ts. Um, And I also was sort of unabashed in like, I don't use Twitter anymore. But at the time, I I was like tweeting at my dream clients. Like, I I love you. I would love to work with you. And (laughs) there's no shame in it. So there were definitely ways 
you can send out postcard mailings, you can message people directly, but putting yourself out there um, in a really sort of cohesive, professional way to potential clients yes. is really an important yeah. part of your work as a you know, a beginning artist. I love this. And I'm sure that our audience is very grateful that you just shared all that. And it's so generous that you took the time to write a book to help artists to do this. And that segues for me into another important question for you, which I think is so beautiful that you haven't been in this like box of I am an artist and I'm only an artist. You've also been a teacher and an author and a champion of other people. And you've embraced all the different tools of teaching online courses and um, writing books and encouraging and doing workshops. And I wonder where all that started for you. And if you have any sort of encouragement or thoughts on if artists should do that. Because I think people sometimes they go, oh, if I start teaching it, am I less of an artist all of yeah, a sudden? Yeah. Or is everyone going to is everyone's work going to start looking like mine or all yeah, that? Yeah. You know, I came into the art world totally as an outsider. I mean, I, I didn't grow up, you know, the child of a professional artist. I didn't go to art school. I didn't have very many friends who were artists. Yeah. So this world was so mysterious to me. And I was relying on the generosity of the people that I did have contact with to demystify it for me. And um, those people were people who I found on the internet and I read what they wrote, right? And I, I sort of culled together all of this education, right, for myself. And not only on how to make art and be a better artist, but how to run a business. So one of my greatest missions in life, now that I've figured so much of this out, is to demystify it for other people. Yeah. Um, because there are these gatekeepers, right? Like that used to exist that don't need to exist, right? Like yes. I shall hold this knowledge to myself so you cannot be successful. So I can hoard all of this success. Yeah. And I believe that there's room for everyone to be successful and happy and that your success only helps my success. That's just my mindset. Yeah. So the other reason was quite practical. I mean, I needed to make money. And I needed to figure out different ways to diversify my income. And I started getting requests to speak at conferences yeah. um, within a few years. And I started um, getting people started from educational platforms like Creative Bug and Creative Live and Skillshare started mm -hmm. reaching out to me and saying, you know, can you develop a class or a set of classes yeah. on a platform? You, yeah. you know, you have this perspective. We'd love to share, you know, and I was like, yeah. yes. And then, you know, Chronicle Books reached out to me and said, I had already worked with them on a book of my art, but they said, you know, we really want you to write a business book for artists. And I was like, you know, honestly, at first I was like, who am I? I mean, honestly, I was, I, I don't really feel that way anymore, but they said, well, you're actually exactly the right person because you didn't have formal education and you're going to talk about this in a way that makes yeah, sense to people who, exactly. who don't understand all of the art jargon. Yeah. And yeah. so they convinced me. And in fact, when I was writing Art Inc., um, one of my editors said, Lisa, you have to be more authoritative. You have a track record of success, you know, and financial success and of making things happen in your career. Like, yeah. you know what you're doing. So talk about it that way. And that was such a shift for me you know, and I, I really started to apply that to everything. 
in yeah. my life, um, from my blog posts that I was writing at the time to to the classes that I was teaching. So awesome. that was a really important shift for me. So part of what I, you know, like the fact that I do all these different things is is a practical thing, but it's also that I'm one of those people who gets bored really easily just doing one thing. And so I tend to have my hands in lots of pots. And fortunately, as an artist, there's so many different things you can do and different ways that you can monetize your talents. And, and I find that super liberating and who knows in two or three years, what other opportunities will exist that we didn't even know existed. I was giving the commencement address at a art college a couple of years ago, which was also That's a totally beautiful. surreal experience awesome. speaking of imposter syndrome. But I was telling the students, like, there's never been a better time to be an artist because there's technologies changing every day. There, there, yeah. there are ways that we're going to be able to share and make work that haven't been invented yet. So 100%. Yeah. You've become so famous for both things. Which one do you like better or do you like them both <laughs> the same, teaching or making art? I think making art is really my truest passion. Mm-hmm. Um, I love teaching because yeah. I do love seeing people, you know, shift their thinking or like have a big revelatory moment about yeah. their own creative process. And yeah, um, one of the classes I teach on on creative life is about time management and productivity. And so much of that class is about is not necessarily about the spreadsheets. <laughs> it's really about freeing, like organizing yourself so that you can free up your space and your time to be more creative and have less anxiety mm-hmm. about getting things done. And um, like, that's, I feel like such an important thing. Oh my well. God. I'm so glad you just said that because yeah, I think people would assume that a class on time management and productivity is about schedules and it's about mindset, right? Because if you have this fear or overwhelming perfectionism, which is really fear, you're probably not going to make the most of any time that you have. But when you are in a state of mind that allows you to show up and not be afraid of showing up, you could get so much done in 45 minutes. What's your take on that? What's what's one of your take-home messages from that class? Yeah, I agree 100%. So part of what I do and what I encourage people to do is really like think of your time as being sacred. And there are eight hours in a typical workday. So how can you use them in the best possible way? And part of that is like not trying to plow through all eight hours and never take your head up away from the computer. And taking breaks is important, but scheduling them in so that they don't sort of catapult out of control and like literally forcing yourself to sit down and start something even when you're terrified that you're not going to be able to execute what's in your head mm-hmm. and um, using that 45 minutes to just sit down and, and begin yeah. um, and setting the timer and blocking out all distraction. And I think what most people find is that once they get started, then they're in the flow to the point where it's break time and they don't even want to get up. Right. Yeah. But so beginning and starting these bits of our day is like the hardest thing. And you're right. That's why people procrastinate. We don't procrastinate because we don't want to do something really. We procrastinate because we're afraid we're not going to be able to do it well. A hundred thousand percent. I think anyone who's been as successful as you, you know, you've had so many huge clients from Martha Stewart Living and Random House Publishing and REI and Harvard and I mean, Creighton Barrel. So many people love your work. So many uh, of your audience members love your work beyond just these big brands. So clearly at some point along the way, you figured out who your audience was and what they wanted 
and then you provided it. And I think that is a really hard line for artists to know how to toe. It's sort of like, I could just be up in my ivory tower, you know, making things. And then at some point, if it's a business, it's not just a hobby, I have to make things that someone else wants. So that feedback is going to matter right? If it's consistently saying, oh, this is this and this is this, but this is amazing. This is wow. I think that's a, that's something that we should listen to. And I don't know if every artist knows how to chew on that. Do you know what I'm saying? And then, and, and metabolize it in, in the best way for themselves. Yeah. I made this Venn diagram um, You're like, I'm right on top of this. Yeah. I know this issue. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Got it. Because <laughs> um, I think about this all of the time. Like, what is the nexus between my own personal sense of satisfaction, what drives me creatively, what drives me in the world, and what yes. I want to sell, right? Because I yes. have to make a living. So for me, there's, you know, there is the sweet spot between doing the stuff that I want to do and, and then doing the stuff that people want to buy or want to pay for. And for me, that includes like teaching, even business classes, or, you know, things that are not necessarily like making art, but like, I found other ways to do things that I love that other people want to pay for, right? Because I've Mm -hmm. got to make a living. That's the whole goal. I want to have financial freedom. And so there are a lot of things that I love to draw that people have zero interest in purchasing. Yeah. Thanks for saying that. I think people need to, I think people need to hear that. And maybe yeah. those things get drawn and put in an art show in a gallery because I don't necessarily need them to sell to pay right. my bills. But what I'm always looking for is what do I love to make that other people want to consume? Yeah. And how can I do more of that to make a living? Mm-hmm. And obviously you don't want to be making stuff that people want to consume that you don't enjoy or that feels in conflict with your values or that drains you of your energy. Absolutely. Of course. Yeah. But I think you got to find the nexus between what you love and what other people love. And it's not mm-hmm. going to be everything. And that's going to piss you off sometimes. It's going to feel right. frustrating sometimes. But if you can find some things that overlap, that's where the magic happens, I think, as an yeah. entrepreneur and as a creative person. Yeah. Amazing. Okay, Lisa, this has been so great. But before we go on, let's just take a quick ad break. We all know how energizing it can be to move your body and get in a good workout. But if you're like me, it can be hard to find a workout that keeps you engaged. So let me tell you about Peloton. Peloton is an immersive cardio experience with real-time features that will always keep you coming back. I actually got a Peloton bike last year and I love that I don't have to commute or make a reservation at an expensive gym just to get in a good sweat. I can squeeze in a workout while I'm home, even with with the kids. And they have all these different themes, difficulty levels, and training programs to choose from, which I found really helpful because one, I'm not a fitness expert. And two, it lets me try something new every time, which I really liked. Another cool feature, they have instructors giving you live encouragement. So you feel like someone is right there to keep you accountable and motivated to actually finish the workout. Peloton is offering a limited time offer, get a hundred dollars off accessories when you purchase the Peloton bike and get a great cardio workout at home. Go to onepeloton.com and use promo code dreamjob to get started. So while we're on the subject of workouts, let's also talk about something else you might need when you're getting in a good sweat. 
a good deodorant and native makes deodorant that doesn't just smell amazing. It's also safer and more effective because they have fewer, simpler ingredients. I have their cucumber and mint deodorant and I love how fresh it makes me smell, whether I'm working out or even just going to a meeting. It goes on super smoothly without leaving any marks or stains on my clothes. And I've been trying to use products that are better for my body and also do the job well. And this deodorant definitely checks off all the marks. Native has other classic scents like coconut and vanilla, lavender and rose, and eucalyptus and mint. Free returns and exchanges are available in the USA. And when you subscribe, you can save $2 per stick and have Native conveniently delivered to your door every one, two, three, or four months. Get 20% off your first purchase by visiting nativedeodorant.com and entering promo code DREAMJOB during checkout. That's 20% off your first purchase by going to nativedeodorant.com and entering promo code DREAMJOB at checkout. Now let's get to the the, the big magic right now, which is your newest book. I want you to tell us why you wanted to write this book. And this book is all about finding your artistic voice, the essential guide to working your creative magic. Why did you want to write this? And what are you hoping people walk away with? Well, a little earlier, I was talking about this whole idea of demystifying things <laughs> for other people. Um, and for me, one of the the things that I experienced personally was this process of becoming who I've become as an artist, right? Like mm-hmm. back when I was trying to find my voice, and in, in some ways, I feel like it's a process that never really ends. But when I was in the thick of it, I remember feeling overwhelmed and confused. And recently, about a couple of years ago, I did an online survey with my followers and I asked them to tell me what were the things that were the most confounding to them. And one of the top two things was finding your style, finding your voice, figuring, you know, like having a unique perspective. Right. And, um, and I was like, okay. So I wrote this really short blog post on it and my editor emailed me the next day and was like, I don't think this is a blog post. I think this is a book. Would you consider writing a book about this? And I said, well, I'm not sure I have 30,000 words to say about this, but let me think about it. And so I did. And I began to really like dig into the topic, everything from what does it mean to have an artistic voice? Really? Like I had my own sort of limited notions about it. So I did a lot of thinking and reading and writing about that. Why does having one even matter? Right? Like why, why wouldn't it be okay to just sort of replicate what's been done before? And then, you know, I did a lot of research on the creative path um, because it, it's actually kind of a painful path. I think we want to romanticize it um, into being something easy and smooth and that people who have it, that there are certain people who have it figured out, but everybody struggles and the struggle is actually an essential component of finding your voice. I've never heard anyone say that. And that just hit me in the heart. Like it is kind of a painful path. Of course. Why have we, we do romanticize it. Vulnerable. Like think about it in your, in your music career and in the people that you work with, like, the most vulnerable thing is to like set foot on a stage and like play oh music God. for people. It's also one of the most beautiful experiences you can have, but like, yeah. most, and I think the same is true for visual artists. Like the most beautiful experience you can have is putting your art into the world. It's also simultaneously one of the most excruciating. Right. Like here's my feelings. Right. And like, like here's me. Here's part take, of me. Yeah. Right. Do you like it? You know? And then there's this whole, I don't know, like there's a whole chapter on navigating influence, right? Because like everywhere we turn in the, in the art world, in the music world, like there are already people who are doing things and doing them big and bold and like art is everywhere and we're consuming it. So how do we take in all of that influence, especially when we're sort of obsessed with certain people and admire them and like use that in a way, but not mimic it. It's a very normal part of the process to copy people in the beginning, even inadvertently, even, you know, we've all done it. But like, how do you move past that to develop your own 
voice, your own style, your own story. And so I talk a little bit about that. I talk about a lot of what we've talked about in this interview, you know, showing up, having discipline, navigating fear also, you know, how to feel the fear and do it anyway, how to use fear to your benefit. Let's talk about that. What do you think is the best way to, to work with it and, and do it scared and, and use it to your benefit, like you just said? I think the greatest deterrent for people around fear is the sense of loneliness. I think when we're in deep fear, it is a very isolating feeling. True fear is like the most lonely, alone feeling you can feel, right? If we have a sense that other people are just as scared as we are about the same thing, there's some yeah. power that gets taken away from the fear, right? And so one of the things that I talk about when I talk about fear is just recognizing that every single person feels it. Your idol feels it. Your next door neighbor yeah. feels it. The artist you love on Instagram feels it. Um, Beyonce feels it. Yes. Everybody feels fear. <laughs> and, sure she does. And, and that never goes away. And you don't want it to really because that, yeah. your fear is part of what makes, gives you humanity, right? It keeps you humble yeah. and and connected to other human beings. And so it's really about like feeling the fear, knowing that the fear is there to protect you. Like your fear is really trying to help you. It's like trying to keep you out of a dangerous situation. <laughs> Sometimes mm -hmm. it serves a really good purpose, but sort of understanding that it's a feeling and not reality, especially when it comes yeah. to making art. When it's about your art, it's typically like, oh, I'm afraid that, you know, this doesn't look how it's supposed to look. It's not good enough or you know, yeah. not making as quick progress in my skills as I should be, or other people's work is better than mine. You know, there's a lot of comparison that goes on. Yeah. Have you ever dealt with this kind of fear where sometimes I meet people who it seems as though they've convinced themselves that they don't even want the thing as a way to protect themselves from being scared of oh, it. Yeah. Like I'll meet someone who's so talented and I'm like, why aren't you doing stand up? You're so funny. Oh, I, I don't want to do it. It's like, you don't want it or you're afraid to get on stage because everyone's telling you you're hysterical or you don't like it or you're afraid, you know, like I, I and I know it's hard to own that because then what if you say, what if you actually do want it? And then you have to take accountability for the fact that you're scared. But I find that that's like the most fascinating strategy. It's like, oh, yeah, I just don't want it. I'm going to convince myself I'm totally fine and I don't want anything. Another strategy is imposter syndrome, right? Like this, this mm -hmm. sense of like feel, making yourself small, like I don't deserve this. And right. so like making yourself feel small, which is a reaction, totally. to fear, you know, so then we just stop doing it or we do it. Right. Or why would I do it? Because yeah. it doesn't happen for people like me. So it's all good. Like it's not yeah, going to happen. So what's the point? Yeah. But you know, it's like if you can kind of work through the fear and especially if you're trying to make work that is like new and different and you aren't sure people are going to like it, like nothing great has ever happened in this world, creative or otherwise, without people taking risks, right? Like, otherwise, it wouldn't be considered great. It's just like a normal, comfortable thing. And so understanding that we're not alone, understanding that, you know, that's part of being human, and that, you know, befriending your fear, I, there's like a picture on the chapter opener for that chapter, that's like, a guy giving a bear a hug. <laughs> because like, that's I talk great. about giving fear a bear hug. And then also, yeah, sort of like confronting all of our beliefs about whether we deserve something or whether we really want something mm -hmm. because all of those things can get in the way. I mean, creativity is so vulnerable that, you know, everyone's creative, like everyone has creative thoughts, but you know, only a small portion of us are actually 
you know, doing it every day for a living because it's terrifying. And most people bail. They might even start a creative career and bail because it feels too vulnerable um, compared to other things they yes. could be doing with their lives. So it does take a lot of courage, I think. Yeah. I just spent last weekend with Julia Cameron. Mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm, I'm making my way through the artist's way again right now. Oh, yeah. Lisa, you could teach the artist's way. <laughs> but um, that was one thing that I really got from the weekend is that she was like, every person is creative, period. End of story. And I was like, wow, when you really look at the world that way, you could see why so many people probably deep, you know, why they're so frustrated, why they might be anxious. They're not expressing creativity that's it's, it's sitting dormant inside mm-hmm. them. And in this book, finding your creative voice, your artistic voice and helping you working your, your magic. How do you help people recognize that they even have it or what is it? Because I think that there are people who they know what the thing is and they're afraid and they feel imposter syndrome. But then there's a group of people who think to themselves, I know there must be something in me that I'm good at or that I love or or that I should do more of, but I'm not even sure what it is or how to find it. You know, I think that the best thing that people in those situations can do is explore and then listen like be curious. Elizabeth Gilbert talks a lot about this a lot. Be open to experience and be curious. And whatever excites you in your day, even if it's looking at a bug crawl on the floor, you know, like go with that and take it down, you know, whatever path you can dive into the stuff that's interesting to you and begin writing about it, making art about it, you know, writing songs about it, dancing to it, whatever the thing is. And if that needs to be in the privacy of your own home where no one's watching, that's totally okay too. I think that we see creativity as this thing that needs to be a public act. And it, unless you want to do it professionally, it does not. And so you are totally entitled to do that thing in the privacy of your own home and just explore. Mm Mm-hmm. What do you think the sign would be or what was it for you or what advice do you have for, let's say you're exploring, how do you know which one might be a viable thing that you can now do and get paid to do it? Well, eventually, you know, if you want to take your creativity into the professional realm or potentially into the professional realm, you do have to like put your work out there. And what I started doing early on was I would go down a path of inspiration and then I would, you know, as a visual artist, I'm posting things on on social media, first was on my blog, and then eventually on Instagram. And I would talk about why I made it and why it was important to me. And I would look at the response. And, you know, as much as we dislike, or we have this complicated relationship with, you know, likes and and comments on social media, they're amazing data collecting tools. This is, you know, such an opportunity for us to see, like, what are people responding to? And then I would say, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to sell something that has some version of this thing. And I would see how it did. And like, sometimes it did, people said they liked it, but nobody bought the thing. And I think people need to understand that this isn't a something that all of a sudden you figure it out and, and, it, and it happens. Like it's just this constant experimentation and learning yeah. and data cycle that takes years sometimes. Yeah. Makes so much sense. This was such a rewarding conversation. You're so generous. And thank you for sharing all of this with us. Tell us where we can find you and where we can buy your book. Okay, you can find me at lisacongdon.com. And there's a link to my um, online shop there. And then on Instagram at, at lisacongdon. 
And uh, my new book is called Find Your Artistic Voice, The Essential Guide to Working Your Creative Magic. You can find it wherever books are sold. And I do actually have a storefront in Portland, Oregon, um, that's open only two afternoons a week. I'm not always here, but you can also, um, if you want to say hi and look at all of my art and products and books, you can come by my store when it's open and information about that is on my website. That is the coolest thing. Thank you so much for all the work you're doing and encouraging so many other people to find the magic that they have. Thank you for having me. It was so much fun to talk to Lisa. So here are some takeaways. Number one, don't expect immediate success. It takes patience, grit, passion, and a willingness to do it with the fear. Number two, you don't need an agent. Reach out to your dream clients through social media, emails, postcards, make those opportunities for yourself. Number three, there are so many ways to monetize your talents. It's liberating when you allow yourself to explore those other streams of income. Number four, find the nexus, the sweet spot between what you want to create and what people want to buy from you. That's where the magic happens. Number five, the creative path can be painful but it's also incredibly beautiful. Number six, nothing great has ever happened without people taking risks. Number seven, you're not alone in your fear. It's what makes you human and it's what makes you connected to the rest of the world. So befriend it. Number eight, explore, listen, be curious, whatever excites you in the day, let it take you down a new path. And number nine, finding your life's work is not an overnight discovery. It's a constant experiment and learning process. So just enjoy the adventure. Thank you guys so much for listening. I know you have a ton of things to do, so it really means the world to me that you're here. And we have so many good episodes coming up. If you are not already subscribed, please go ahead and subscribe wherever you listen, whether on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else. And if you want a way to help our show, share the show right now with a friend. That is one of the best things you can do to support us. And it doesn't cost you anything, but it means so much and it does so much for so many people. And that's the blessing of this incredible community. So if this episode or any other episode has helped you share it with a friend, maybe it gets them into action and helps them to start really taking a couple steps toward something that will make them feel more fulfilled. I'll leave you with a song of mine. I love you guys so much. Remember, if you want to join me for the five-day free songwriting challenge, I'd love to see you. And it starts today and I will be live every single day. And if you can't make it live, we will send you the replay if you're signed up. So I'll drop a link in the show notes. I'll talk to you guys on Thursday. The podcast is a production of Authentic. For more info on advertising in this show, visit AuthenticShows.com. But now I'm back in here to 